Hello and welcome into Jam Session. Glad to have whoever you are listening to us. Jam Session is Matt McLaren and Jean-Jacques Taylor. We're two guys who used to do a radio show on ESPN Radio in Dallas, Texas. We now do this podcast. We talk a lot about the Dallas Cowboys, other Dallas sports teams, and just our interests in Dallas, nightlife, stories, beer, all kinds of things. Glad to have you. Thanks for listening. Let's get going. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, review, hang out with us for a while right here on the Jam Session Podcast. Brought to you as always by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights that legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, that moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, Doc? I would be the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren. This is Jam Session, the podcast version 335, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. And we are going to try to dazzle and entertain you here throughout the course of this episode. Clarence Hill Jr. is going to jump on with us a little bit later on. The very latest from the star and what's going on as the Cowboys prepare their final preparations for the divisional playoff round in San Francisco on Sunday evening, trying to, as they have done so many times in the last 27 years, trying to advance to the NFC Championship game. We'll see if they can get that done. But before we get rolling here, we've got to tell you, of course, about Robert Greening at Greening Law. And I, as many of you know, have been working with Robert Greening for quite some time now. And I love this, man. The process, they they ask questions they know how to do things that we just would not know how to do because we're not legal experts like these guys are. So if you've been hurt in a car accident, if you've experienced malpractice, if you were injured on the premises of a business, you need to give them a call. Call Robert Greening and the Green Team at 972-934-8900. The consultation is free and see if you've got a case because if you do, it may take some time, but I am telling you, I mean, they, they are fighting for you. Nah, man, you know, Matt's been doing this for a minute now. And the thing about it is, and he's he's talked to about it several times, is that Grinning Law kind of leads him down the process. They might calls for him. They set up appointments for him. They tell him, hey, this is coming. Be aware of that. We got this going on. Be aware of that. Now, who doesn't want a homeboy like that riding with you or a homegirl like that riding with you when you're going through something like this? Everybody does, which is why we tell you. If you've been involved in an accident, it doesn't just have to be like a car like Matt was. I mean, maybe it's a residence at somebody else's house. Maybe it's a business. You know, maybe it's an apartment complex. It doesn't really matter. If it's away from your crib, give Greening Law a call, 972-934-8900, 972-934-8900. Say, yo, here's my situation. What do you think? Because the call don't cost you nothing, but it might just mean everything. How about that? No, I'd like that. And it makes a lot of sense. It's 972-934-8900. It's Robert Greening. Call him now. Offices, Dallas, Texas. Okay, we got to start with this, Matt. Okay, yes. Somebody blocked me. (laughs) 
I saw that. When you sent me that, I forgot that you sent me that. <laughs> Dude. Like, why? Why of Dude, all okay. the people? Okay. We got we to gotta, we, we gotta bring y'all along slowly on this. So I don't care that this person blocked me. I didn't even know this person had blocked me because we've never had a, I can honestly say, I'm sure I've, I've talked to him once or twice, but y'all know my version of the Cowboys, the way I attack the Cowboys, as a person who writes columns on the Cowboys for the most part, I play the hits. And what are the hits, Matt? If we're talking radio podcast talk, the hits are Jerry Jones, sometimes Stephen Jones, Mike McCarthy, Dak Prescott, Tony Pollard has moved up into there. Zeke Elliott, CeeDee Lamb, Michael Parsons, uh, Trayvon Diggs, that's about it. Maybe Demarcus Lawrence, maybe. That's about it. Meaning, I really ain't writing about nobody but those nine people. Yeah. Every now and then, somebody like Brett Maher does something spectacular, be it good or bad, and he can move into, because he's drawn so much attention, he can move into a hit maker. He's like a one-hit one hit wonder, though. So, I was scrolling through Twitter, and this person said something to somebody else. And check this out, Matt. I didn't really care what he had to say. I said, well, that's a very interesting profile picture. And so I went to go look at the profile picture. And it said, you have been blocked. And I started, I, I, dude, I started laughing out loud. Because I was like, well, I do. Like, Kyler Murray blocked me. And I think I told you, like, yeah. I don't even remember ever saying anything, let alone writing anything about Kyler Murray. Maybe he was driving through Dallas one day and heard me say something. Uh, you know, So I have no idea why he blocked me. But this guy, I was like, well, I've not been complimentary. And I have written something once or twice and said he was just a guy and he wasn't going to get paid. And so maybe he got mad. But I just thought it was hilarious. Can y'all guess who it is? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that I would have guessed had you not seen that because it never would occur to me that this guy would be like I, I like I'm like you in, until I saw that you were blocked by him. I don't know that I ever in a million years would think to go look and see what this guy is saying on Twitter. <laughs> Dude, that's why it was so funny to me. But anyway, it's Dalton Schultz. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, who won't be here next year? Dal <laughs> Dalton Schultz has blocked you on Twitter. <laughs> and I can tell you, because he has not blocked me, you are not missing anything whatsoever by the fact that you cannot see what he is tweeting. Bro, it's just funny to me. Man. As you it's might funny. imagine, because 98% of athletes never tweet anything that is worth needing to see. Right. Now, you got to understand, I'm laughing. Because I think my block list has like 728 people on it. Yeah, you've got a lot. Um, and, and that's because some people, I block some people because they say some things. I'm just like, dude, I don't have to put up with that. Or they're moving in such a direction that, that back when I worked for somebody other than myself, I was like, you're not going to get me fired or suspended engaging in conversation with you. And then I got a whole list of like people who, you know, those fake people who like Adam Schefter would three F's who yeah. try to fool you yeah. and trick you. I block those people if I just come across something, whether they've directed it to me or not. I just block them so that they don't pop up in my timeline. But yeah. I haven't blocked anybody. I think I've blocked one or two people lately. But besides that, I, I probably blocked three or four people in the last year. 
Yeah, I never block anybody. I just mute them and then they have no idea. And, and generally speaking, if you're going to be negative or say something that's just like you're just crazy negative, like I've blocked some people that want to argue about Dak or argue about the Cowboys. So they're not any good. You're wrong. I'm like, okay, well, I don't, I mean, I like you're so far out there with your stupid ass argument that I don't want to engage with you. So I just mute them. So I don't have to see right. it. Because right, I don't right. care, you know, it, it, but I would say this, like one of the athletes that if they blocked me, it like, would be like Dak. I don't follow Dak anyway, but if Dak were to block you on Twitter, damn. So you can't see that he wants you to go to 7-Eleven. You can't see <laughs> that he'd like you to buy a sleep number bed. Like who cares? Like most athletes, actually, as a matter of fact, and I believe this is true because I don't follow a ton of people. I don't think I follow one single athlete that I don't personally know. And by personally know, I don't mean like I interviewed them one time. I mean, I've had multiple conversations with them in an off air type setting because outside of that, like, I, I don't know that I follow anybody who's just an athlete. Yeah, I follow a few, but not very like I don't think I follow hardly anybody on the Cowboys because most of those things are just endorsement things that their social media team is running they're not they're not giving you anything uh but sometimes you have to follow them in case some news might break yeah. but uh college kids are much more apt to say something and so because i was at jackson state so much i follow a lot of those guys um but anyway that's about it in yeah, terms man. of who i who i follow yeah and it's weird too because like a lot of the media people like i'll follow them but if they don't follow me then i won't follow them and i'll scroll through my follows every once in a while and be like oh wait a second so this dude's not following me i'm like unfollow fine then guy really yeah because i do that well i mean because i mean let's be honest like there's enough people that cover any given subject that you know i, I mean how it is like when you're whatever media role that you have like you know people that are in the media like I'm on the radio, but I know a lot of the people that are in TV and that are in print around the Birmingham area. And I, right. I, I run into them from time to time or I'll have them on my show. So if I see that they're not following me, I'm like, well, then why am I following you? <laughs> like, we're not going to help promote each other and help each other out a little bit or whatever. I'm like, OK, fine. Wow. That's more so like on the local level. Like there are some, you know, like the bigger like an Adam Schefter. Like if he doesn't follow me back, I don't give a shit because I want his information. Right. You know. OK. All right. But if Bob Smith from the local Birmingham CBS affiliate isn't going to follow me back, I'm like, okay, well, um, so much for my following you. I mean, it's just how it is because I don't really care what he says anyway. I just was doing it because I thought you followed me. So I guess. Now, see, I'm the opposite way. I'm just following you, whoever I'm following, because you're providing some information that I desire for whatever reason. And so because I desire this information, I don't care whether you follow me or not. Yeah, and, I, and, and there's a lot of guys that I am that way with, but they tend to be like the bigger national level guys. Of course, now you've, you've, you've made me interested. I need to go see if Joe, <laughs> if Joe Trahan and Louis Scruggs and those guys follow me. And I'm sure that they do, but if they didn't, what would you'd be like, what the hell? <laughs> Wouldn't you? I mean, I think that you'd be like, really, Nui, you don't follow me? Why, why? I mean, what's up, dude? Uh, you know what? I'm trying to think. Like, here's a great, here's a great example. Like Greg McElroy, everybody knows Greg McElroy, former Bama quarterback and is like the, the second lead analyst on ESPN ABC football with Joe Tessitore. Right. I never followed him on Twitter, but he started following me because we work together. He does the morning show on the station that I work for here in Birmingham. Right. Because I don't care what Greg says. <laughs> I mean, personally. 
So I saw that he followed me. I was like, oh, well, I guess I'll go and follow. I'll follow you now. <laughs> All righty then. And I always thought that was nuts because Greg McElroy has like 200,000 followers. He only follows like 100 people and I'm one of them. Well, look at you. Look at you. Throw that cloud out there. Well, yeah, so there you go. But again, you have to realize, like, I'm in meetings and stuff, and I'm, you know, I see Greg fairly regularly, so it's not like I see him and it's, you know, I I don't know that I follow every single one of my coworkers because, I mean, I I don't always know that they're going to say, tweet or show me something that I want to see. Exactly. I just saw a guy that I thought followed me that doesn't. I literally just unfollowed him. (laughs) I can't believe it, bro. No, for real, because I thought we were buddies and I thought, oh, well, he follows me, so I'll follow him. But I don't care what he has to say (laughs) on Twitter anyway. (laughs) Yeah, I'm kind (laughs) of. You're petty, bro. I'm a petty Twitter guy. Okay, that's okay. There's no judgment zone over here, man. Well, you know how it is. It's like, like, because every once in, and this has only happened to me a couple of times where in, I think it was a guy that we used to work with at ESPN who was like a part-time guy. He came up to me once. He's like, hey, man, I follow you on Twitter. Are you going to follow me back? Now, if you ever ask me that as a man, I'm just going to open hand slap you like a wrestler. Well, and I was like, oh, I don't. And I knew that I didn't. He's like, no, man. <laughs> And I was like, oh, okay. Well, I thought I did. I was like, yeah, I'll uh, let, let me get around to that. And like, I, I swear he asked me again, like not that long after. Like, how about this? I just realized Chris Gross no longer follows me on Twitter. Oh, he used to? but He not, used to, me... but not anymore. So now I'm unfollowing him. Oh, no, don't unfollow him. Let me ask him on Twitter why he no longer. <laughs> why? Why? No, it's too let late because me... I already unfollowed him. No, I, I got I to gotta know this. And that no, was but... Chris with a... Because that was Chris I, with a K. I can't, I can't go back and follow him because then he'll see that I did. I mean, I'm telling you, this is like how it works. How do you spell Chris Gross's name? Like, why do I want to invest time in like what you've got going on if you're not going to invest time in what I've got going on? Essentially, it's what it is, I feel like, to some degree. I wonder if he unfollowed me. I wonder if he ever followed me to start with. Like, oh like Archer's a great example. Arch doesn't follow me on Twitter, but it never bothered me because what the hell am I going to put out there that he wants to see? Let me see if Archer follows me. You know, but I follow him because I want to see his information. Okay. Well, I'm going to demand that all my students in my SMU class follow me. (laughs) (laughs) You should do that. It's kind of wild sometimes. Like when you'll scroll through every once in a while to see who's following you or who, you know, like used to follow you that no longer does. And you're like, really? Did I offend you? Did I, did I put something out that just pissed you off? Like, that's really interesting. All right, who's the most impressive person who follows you? Is it, uh, uh, I use air quotes around impressive. I mean, Greg's uh, probably, I would say, got to be one of the top. All right. Because everybody knows Greg McElroy, and the fact that he only follows like 100 people and I'm one of them, that's probably the most impressive person that follows me. All right. I don't even know who follows me. Well, I was just scrolling through. Well, that's true. I don't know. Actually, I don't know who follows me. I was scrolling through the people that I follow that I know follow me. Cause I, I mean, I, out of the other people who follow, I have no idea. Maybe. Oh, how about this? <laughs> the dude who plays Johnny Lawrence in Cobra Kai, he follows me. Wow. Yeah. How how'd about you, that? How'd you, how'd you pull that off? Well, I followed him and I used to get my listeners to pepper him. Cause I tried to get him on the show once. And so he followed me and he just never stopped. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that dude. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. His name's William. Well, Billy, Billy Zabka. All right. No, Archer, I just checked. Archer follows me. Okay, good. See, because that, yeah, like if he didn't, wouldn't you be like, I mean, what the hell? Why, why are you not following me, man? 
Oh, there's a surprise. Why does Antoine Walker, former Boston Celtic, follow me? See? Shocking. Yeah, I mean, you may find some interesting followers in your your world. <laughs> it oh, is kind of interesting. I mean, just when you start scrolling through it, and it's like, oh, who's this person? Why is this person following me? Yes, because I have no idea why, 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 why. Yeah, I don't know. So there it is. Man, we just, that was, you talk about going down a rabbit hole to start this thing off. <laughs> exactly. So thanks, Dalton Schultz. You just gave us like 15 minutes of content. Sure did. Unexpected content, too. Maybe I should tweet at him and, okay. and copy your name on it and be like, Dalton, thank you so much. You just gave us a segment of content for our podcast this mm-hmm. afternoon. Now, bro, this is what I would do. This is what I would do if I had more time, because this would be funny. Definitely would do this if we had our radio show still. Yeah. Well, number one, my life would be different if we had it, but definitely would either go myself or send a producer out there. Uh, Dalton, you got a couple seconds? Yes. Why have you stopped following Jean-Jacques Taylor on Twitter? Yeah, that'd be funny. <laughs> Just to see what he does. And then he'd, get, he'd probably get pissed and all butthurt about it and, and walk away. Or, you know, he'd look at Joe or somebody and be like, hey, get this guy out of here. Oh, former coach Avery Johnson follows me. Wow, look at you. Hey. Well, you know, it is what it is. See, so I remember like Jeff Perlman, the author, started following me recently because I, I had tweeted out something about one of his books. And then I was like, oh, my God, Jeff Perlman, that's pretty cool. And then I look, he follows like everybody. Well, yeah. I was like, so you just are fought like, that's not special. <laughs> uh, he's just a follow machine. That's OK. Yeah. That's and, okay. and, you know, I, I, I don't know. There, there's there's all kinds of like random people. I think when you when you do anything that's in the public eye, like if you're on the radio or you like yourself, you know, doing whether it's the podcast or when we're on the radio and all the articles you've written, you know, people will follow you. And, and sometimes it'll be random people that you wouldn't expect just because I, I mean, this is something that used to trip me out when we were on the radio in Dallas. Like, you know, somebody like Mark Cuban would listen to our show. Right. And you go, well, why wouldn't he? I mean, he lives in Dallas. We talk about sports. He's a sports owner. So you'd run into people that were in the world of athletes and stuff like that, that would listen to you, you know, like, right. like Pat green, when we interviewed Pat green and he was like, Oh yeah. He's like, I've listened to you before. I'm like, Oh my God. You know, like that type of thing. <laughs> True that, true that. Because true they're that. normal people. They listen to the same stuff and enjoy the same things we all do. They just, you know, are, are happen to be w- really well known. There you go. Hey, Nick Wright follows me. How about that? See, there you go. I remember we saw him at that one place we went to eat in Miami, and he was sitting with Colin Cowherd. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow, that brought back a memory. Those are good times. <laughs> yeah, they were. I mean, what other podcast can you get to that? I mean, I thought we were going to start talking about the potential for the Cowboys going to the NFC title game. And we go down the rabbit hole of Dalton Schultz. That's because I just hijacked this book. I hijacked it right from the beginning. Well, I think it's fantastic because I really enjoyed that conversation personally. All right, fine. Good. I'm glad you did. I did as well. And it made me curious. And I started scrolling through. I was like, well, who does follow me? I don't even know. And that's when I saw that Jeff Perlman follows me. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, I got like a bunch of random weird people in the media, you know, that some people probably are well aware of that follow me, but I, that's what we do. I mean, we're in the media, right. technically. I feel, I feel you on it. You know, sometimes where I'll meet somebody and like, oh, yeah, I, you know, the Mark Cuban one, when he said that he had listened to me many times, I was like, oh, my God, really? Wow. Hey. It was like I was telling a buddy the other day, remember when we had him in and I told him my cemetery idea? 
Right, right, right. Yeah, and my friend was like, wait, what? Like like Mark Cuban on Shark Tank, Mark Cuban? I was like, well, yeah. I mean, who else? He goes, <laughs> how did you talk to Mark Cuban like that long to pitch him an idea about this? And I said, oh, well, you know, we were in Dallas and we did a radio show and, you know, he came into the studio. We, I mean, we used to have Cuban on the show every so often or whatever. And he was like, wow, really? It's like, yeah. Hey, I just found out uh, TCUAD, Jerry, Jeremy Don Donati follows me. See, look at you. He had no idea. Oh, I, I bet you, see, and you probably don't follow him, and he probably goes home and goes, man, Jacques is never going to follow me back. Yeah, I'm going to follow him now. See, look at that. I, <laughs> I bet he's gotten excited. He'll see a little notification yeah. pop up that you followed him, and he'll get excited. Yeah. I take it back. I was already following him. So okay, maybe he well. only followed me because I was following him. See, now there's know. no way to know. Yeah, now I'm mad because I don't know. So there you have it. All right. <laughs> All right, well, let's get into this, this matchup because the Cowboys are playing the 49ers. And it is a big one. But before we do that, we got to tell you about our sponsors for real. Cause we got, I mean, we can't do the podcast without these guys. I'm that's reality. And one of our great sponsors is bruise bill tong. And I hope that you guys have had an opportunity to check out bruise. It's B R U S B I L T O N G bruise bill tong on online. And you just jump on promo code jam 15 and you get 15% off your order at checkout it's like beef jerky, but it isn't. And it's such a healthy, delicious snack. The two-ounce snack bags are 240 calories and 30 grams of protein. It's lean. There's no sugar. There's no artificial ingredients. It's one of those types of snacks that it feels like it, like once you try biltong, you're just going to have it around and you'll be constantly eating biltong and you'll get hooked on it. Now, I think that's how it gets, goes down, bro. I mean, whether you like to slice biltong, how, which is uh, what you and I prefer, or, you know, whether you like the slab where you can kind of cut it how you want it, it's uh, it's great, man. And if you like beef jerky, you'll love Biltom because it's got everything that beef jerky has, but none of the none of the stuff like getting stuck in your teeth, being a little dry, a little crusty. Nah, man, Biltong is fantastic. It's it, Seriously, it's succulent. It's kind of juicy. Yeah. It's kind of tender. It's a trip, man, because you put it in your mouth, you just go, wow, this ain't what I expected. This is fantastic. And, you know, it's got 30 grams of protein for if you like to work out, if you want to watch your weight, it's a great snack. I got nothing but love for Bill Tong and nothing but great things to say about it. It's fantastic. I think you're going to enjoy it as well. It's bruisebiltong.com, B-R-U-S-B-I-L-T-O-N-G. So check them out at bruisebiltong.com. Promo code JAM15. Don't forget that so you get 15% off your order. Also, of course, we are made possible, as always, by Freeway Tire Shop, JR, his crew, the mechanic you can trust when you need something done to your car, as simple as an inspection or an oil change, maybe some new tires, JR and Freeway Tire Shop is the place you need to be going. And here's the reason why, man. This, this ain't complicated, but it's because you can trust JR, man. And you can trust him to diagnose what's wrong with your car. You can trust him to use quality parts to fix your car. You can trust him to charge you a fair price, and you can trust him to stand behind his work. Now... If you got a mechanic who does those four things, then ride with that person. But if you don't, and three out of four is not four out of four, if your mechanic is not doing everything I just told you that JR does, trust him with the price, with the parts, with the diagnosis, with the work, then take your butt up to 35 North, get off at Commonwealth. It's about five minutes north of downtown. Go through the light. JR's on the right freeway tire. You can thank us later. Trust us. Many have. Freeway Tire Shop online. You can schedule an appointment or request a quote, so get it done. 
So now the Cowboys and the 49ers in a game in which I know if you're a Cowboys fan, it probably makes you nervous as hell. This is a 49ers team. We were talking about this the last podcast when we just took a brief look at the 49ers. This is a team on an 11-game win streak. They haven't lost since Christian McCaffrey has joined the team. This is a team that you look at it, yeah, they lost to Chicago. They lost to Denver somehow. They lost to Atlanta. They got blown off the field by Kansas City. But ever since then, all they've done is beat teams. And there's only been a couple of games in which they were even really kind of pushed a little bit. The Chargers, they only beat by eight. And then, of course, the Raiders in the second to the last week of the regular season, they went to overtime against and really should have lost that game. But the Raiders bungled their way to the loss instead. But outside of that, I mean, they beat Arizona big. They beat Miami by a couple of touchdowns. They blew Tampa off the field. They smoked Washington. Last week in their playoff game, they absolutely annihilated Seattle. And you look at this, this is a team in San, Fran in San Francisco here are their last, let's see, let's go back to December 4th. So since December, 33 points, 35, 21, 37, 37, 38, 41. This is an offense that puts up a lot of points on the board. It's a defense that led the NFL in scoring defense. And I saw this note from our buddy Todd Archer earlier today, and I thought this was nuts. Ever since Dak came back, and I forget the exact week, Dallas and San Francisco are the top two offenses in the NFL since that time period. How about that? Would you have predicted that? Because I sure as hell wouldn't have. I would not have because I feel like a lot of people more so talk San Francisco because of their defense and like, oh, they're really fun and they do a lot of different things. But as far as that and how good they've been, as a matter of fact, not only do they lead the NFL, they're also the only teams averaging 30 points per game in that time period. Wow. And the only teams outscoring their opponent on average by 10 points a game. You know, I think here's the thing, man, that you got to understand about the Cowboys. And, I, uh, you know, and I think it's this, that um, they lost, since Dak's been back, they lost three games. And that's the debacle in Washington. And then they lost the game to uh, Jacksonville that they were up 27 to 10. And then they lost another game to Green Bay that they were up 14 points going into the fourth quarter. And so when you look at it like that, man, they've really been a pretty dominant team um, in the second half of the season since Dak came back. I shouldn't even say second half because he's been back for 12 games. And I think uh, – or 11 games. And I think what we have to do is – and I'm as guilty as everybody, so I'm not throwing you all in there and, and keeping myself out. But what we have to do is we have to remember that um, – that PTSD, that's just what it is, man. It's not about right now. It's about what you've experienced in the past, and that's why you feel this anxiety. That's why you feel a certain way about the Cowboys. But that really doesn't have anything to do with the way they've played because they've really played pretty damn good. Yeah, they have really played pretty damn good. I, it, that's exactly right. And, you know, that's where this comes from because I think we're all really familiar with what Dallas brings. But there is this mindset, and I'm not going to argue, if you believe San Francisco's a better team, it's hard not to think that they are. But the one thing, there's actually a couple things that jump out to me about San Francisco. One, Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy, who has now played, I believe it's six games in his career. He started five, and then you throw it in the regular season, and then you throw in the playoff game that he has played. So those are your six games that you've got starts from. 
He's been really, really good. He was fantastic last week. But I keep thinking when you look at Brock Purdy, he closed out the regular season again with five of those starts there. He played against Tampa, Seattle, Washington, Vegas, the Cardinals, and the Seahawks. Dallas is by far going to have the best defense that Brock Purdy has faced yet in his NFL career as a seventh-round pick. I have a hard time believing, and, and who knows? Maybe he's the next Tom Brady. But generally speaking, in this day and age in the NFL, you don't see quarterbacks that are drafted at that part of the draft that are leading teams to the Super Bowl. And, and again, they can do so many things, and Kyle Shanahan's done a brilliant job of protecting him and making it easy for him. But they haven't faced a fast rush, and they haven't, paced, they haven't faced a defense that takes the ball away and can make you pay for mistakes the way the Cowboys have. Well, here's the deal, bro. Um, I think it's about um, they've been – he's played enough now where you should have six game tapes on him. I think it was his sixth start the other day. So now you pretty much know what he can do, what he can't do. Uh, he got away with some mistakes the other day. Uh, but as, as we – you know, the thing that's impressed me about it, and somebody else mentioned this. Uh, I can't remember who, so uh, forgive me. Is that he played enough in college – and we said this about when Dak showed up in the league, man, as a rookie. The game doesn't seem too big for him. It doesn't seem like he's moving too fast for him. It feels like he belongs in the games. Um, but the thing that's impressed me most about him is how he's been able to extend plays. And like most, unlike most young quarterbacks who take off running when they extend it, he's extended it and still made plays in the passing game. Mm-hmm. And that, to me – is what they're going to have to do. Like, I think they'll be able to pressure him, but then it becomes, can you get him down? And how about this, Matt? Can you get him down for the six-yard sack as opposed to letting him escape for a one-yard gain or a zero play? Yeah. You need the negative yards to put them behind the chains so they so that they can't run the ball. Yeah, and, and ever since he came in, and, and it's six starts, but basically seven full games that he's played, ever since that he's done that, he's only thrown three picks. He's thrown at least two touchdowns in every single game, which is impressive. And you look at this now, Miami sacked him three times, Washington sacked him three times, and the Cardinals sacked him four times, and none of those seemed to matter. They blew out all three of those teams. So this is going to be interesting. I and mean, we're all well aware, I think, of what San Francisco can do with Christian McCaffrey and how, it, I mean, just when that dude's healthy, he's the best running back in the game because he can run, he can receive, he does so much. Debo Samuel, you know, that's really their offense. They don't have like that, you know, George Kittle. Kittle obviously is a problem at tight end, but they don't have like that wide receiver that scares you. And I say that even Brandon Ayuk who finished with 1,000 yards this season on 78 catches, all of us would take CeeDee Lamb as the best wide receiver in this game. But then you would take George Kettle in, in, in the, the tight end matchup. McCaffrey, and I don't know, I mean, you want to use Samuel as a wide receiver, a running back, however you want to use him against Pollard and Zeke. Give me Dak with the advantage at quarterback, but I mean, this is... It's an explosive, potent San Francisco offense for a reason because kind of like when the Cowboys are clicking, San Francisco can beat you in so many different ways with so many different guys that can explode and provide big plays for their offense. You know, the thing about San Francisco, they have versatility. That's what those guys give them, meaning they break the huddle. You have no idea where they're lining up, and they can do a lot of different stuff with the same personnel groups. And to me, 
that's what makes them dangerous. And that's what makes them hard to uh, to deal with offensively. Um, I think that they'll do a good enough job on uh, Debo Samuel, the receiver. I think this game ain't real complicated, man. It comes down to can the Cowboys run defense show up? They don't have to stop San Francisco, but they have to control them. Um, if they can control San Francisco's running game, then they can win the game. Um, they also got to be able to score enough points that they put some pressure on San Francisco. And a lot of that to me is you got to start fast. You can't be getting down behind 10 nothing. You know, not even, yeah. I mean, you just, you know, 3 nothing is okay, but you have to stay with them and then you have to try to get a lead so that you can apply some pressure um, to uh, San Francisco. Because if you don't, I just think it's going to be a uh, it's going to be a tough deal. Yeah, and, and and let's keep in mind the Raiders did put up some points on them, and and that was the game that Jared Stidham came in and played, and he threw for three sixty five with three touchdowns on them, and they ran for collectively over as a team's I think it was like something like one hundred and fifty yards on San Francisco. Devontae Adams went off. They had a big game there. Their tight end Darren Waller had a couple of big plays. So, and, and then you look at Kansas City. Kansas City, which has a big-time explosive offense. Now, this was earlier in the year, yes, but Kansas City put up 44 points on them. Outside of that, Atlanta put up 28 on them, and those are the only three teams that have scored more than the 23 that Seattle scored last week. So this is a team that doesn't give up a lot defensively, which is interesting. Because I think we all have in our mind, oh, San Francisco gets the quarterback, a ton of sacks, and they do, but it's because they have Nick Bosa on their team. And Nick Bosa had 18 and a half sacks. The next guy in line in San Francisco had five. As a matter of fact, they only had three players that had more than three. One of them had four and a half, one had five, and Bosa had 18 and a half and was dominant quarterback hits, a constant problem in the backfield. And he is going to be a problem on Sunday. Well, yeah, I mean, just like, you know, Michael Parsons Correct. is a problem. Yep. You know, so that that's cool. Um, for me, man, it's all about because I just looked it up because you made me think about it. You know, what what's the one stat we, we've talked about over the years? Not so much this year. It's um, uh, Purdy has only thrown 36 passes from behind this year. And he's not been sacked. Yeah. Uh, and when he's when he's throwing from behind. And so what I mean is they're playing with such leads that he's able to do whatever he wants to do. There's never really any pressure on him. And the only way you can win this game is to put pressure on him mentally because you're ahead and he feels the pressure to catch back up. And then physically because Michael Parsons and Tank Lawrence and those guys are doing what they do. Because one thing that's as old as time, quarterbacks under duress make mistakes. And the Cowboys, I'm sure everybody's aware of this, but if you're not, Dallas led the NFL in pressure this year. They're the number one team in pressure percentage. San Francisco, I think, was down around 10th. It's also interesting. The Cowboys were fourth in hurry percentage. San Francisco, the 49ers were bottom 10 in hurry percentage. Now it's a fine line between the two. We're talking not that big of a gap between the top of the league and the, and the bottom part of the league. But if you can get pressure and you can hurry Brock Purdy the way that we've seen them against most of the teams they've played this year, I think it really changes the offense and it can really because, again, if you can get a couple of turnovers, if you can get Purdy to throw you a pick or two because you pressured him, you blitzed him, you he was hurried, he, he started getting jittery in the pocket, what have you, then maybe you can give yourself some short fields. 
this is a weird one for me because both these offenses are so explosive, but both these defenses don't give up a lot of points. So what what gives? Is it somewhere in the middle, I guess? I mean, that's what's so interesting about this matchup. Well, I think what happens is, uh, you know, you look to special teams uh, and turnovers because that creates short fields or, you know, creates short fields that allows you to score touchdowns where you don't have to drive the length of the field. Uh, Cowboys did a great job driving last week with those four touchdown drives and more than 80 yards. Uh, I don't think they're going to be doing that against San Francisco. And so you've got to get some uh, some uh, favorable field position. And then when you get it, you got to take advantage of it. Yeah, and these were the top two teams in the NFL in the number of drives that their defense ended with the turnover. See? So the Cowboys and the 49ers, and it's going to come down because I'm going to say this, and again, well, that was Dak will never play that way again. And maybe he won't. But if Dak plays the way he played against Tampa, Dallas wins this game. There's so much here. Mike McCarthy, who's no stranger to having to win three on the road and go in to win the Super Bowl, which he did when he won his Super Bowl with Green Bay, this Cowboys team that we know is capable of playing really well. A San Francisco, I mean, is San Francisco just going to be the team that marches to the Super Bowl on a 15-game win streak? Maybe they are, but it's time. It is time. It's our time. Well, let me say this, and I fully believe this. No cap, as young folks say. Real talk. Your Dallas Cowboys, now you've never heard me say anything remotely close to this, Matt. Uh, I think they're going to the Super Bowl if they win this game. I, I think the winner of this game, kind of like it used to be, I think the winner of this game, yes, is the Super Bowl, is going to the Super Bowl. And I say that because if you can beat Tom Brady, that's cool. They suck, but you got rid of Brady. If you can go to San Francisco and you can beat San Francisco, which is which is one eleven straight, I don't think you have any problem mentally being like, oh, my God. We're in the NFC Championship team game against a team we know. I mean, there's nothing about them we don't know. All we have to do is show up and play well, and we can win the game. Like, there's, like there may be some trepidation playing San Francisco. You know, they beat us last year, this, that, and the other thing. There won't be any trepidation whatsoever playing, San, playing Philadelphia if you can get past. It doesn't mean you'll win, but you'll, everything will be set up for you to win. And I think if they can – they can win San Francisco, which is a big if. It's a huge if. It's capital letters and a hundred point type for those of you who know about typefaces. Uh, if they can figure out a way to get it done, then I think that they're going to the Super Bowl. It is a huge, huge way to get it done. It's on the road. Much like last week, it feels like everybody is picking San Francisco. But man, I'm I'm going to continue. Because we all sit here and go, well, it's Kyle Shanahan, and it's Debo Samuel, and Christian McCaffrey, and it's Nick Boza. Well, it's Dak Prescott, and it's Tony Pollard and Zeke Elliott, and it's CeeDee Lamb, who's an all-pro wide receiver, and it's Micah Parsons, who's, along with Nick Boza, the, th- those might be the two best defensive players in the game. And it's Tank on the defensive line, and it's Trayvon Diggs. I mean, the Cowboys got players too, man. And at some point, it has to happen again. And I, ju- I just buy, man. I'm just, I, I just am buying into this. I, I think it's going to be, this is going to be a close game. And I think this is going to be, you kind of alluded to it where you were talking about, can you go and do, can, can Dak do to Brock Purdy in his rookie year what Aaron Rodgers did to Dak in his rookie year? And I wouldn't be surprised if it comes right down to a game-winning field goal, an opportunity to hit a pass, a you, you've got to knock a ball down in the end zone, something 
to where whoever has the ball last is going to have an opportunity to win this game. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, I would. I would probably buy that. I think. Um, you know, man. I think. Uh, I think it'd be a terrific game. I think the Cowboys have everything they need to win. I hate the kicking situation because it just creates unnecessary doubt and angst. Um, you know, but I think. Uh, I think that the whole key. And again, I ain't breaking news here, and I've said it. It's we know what San Francisco is going to do. They're going to line up and physically try to beat your ass. And the question is, can you match it with them? Because the last five weeks, man, San Francisco on the ground, 209, 170, 153, 170, 169, 181. Dude, and when they've lost, and this was before Christian McCaffrey showed up, but when they lost, they had 101 on the ground, they had 50 they had 88, and then now they did have 176 in the opener and lost. So to me, you got to keep them around, right around eh, 110 yards rushing, maybe 115. If you could do that, you got a shot. This, if they're going to rush for 150, dog, it's going to be it's going to be hard to beat them. It is. It is going to be very difficult and very hard to beat them. I'm just ready to see the Cowboys in the NFC Championship game. So I'm going to. Hey. I'm going to pick the Cowboys. Probably like, comes uh, as a shock to everybody. And, and I, 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 I actually think this is a lot closer than people believe. I'm not convinced in that pick whatsoever. Like last week, I was like, there's no way in hell Tampa's beating Dallas. And I truly believe that. There are many ways in hell that San Francisco can beat Dallas. I think you can flip a coin. And generally speaking, when I think it's close like this, I tend to go with who I believe is the better quarterback, which is Dak. And I'm going to go with the team I want to win, which is the Cowboys. And I'm going to go Cowboys. And I had a dream about this the other night. 24-23, Dallas wins. They have to drive the field down 23-17 to because their defense is held in the red zone and San Francisco's kicked like three field goals. And they've got to drive down. And this time, they catch the pass, they make the throw, and the Cowboys roll out of San Francisco. And I assume go to Philadelphia next weekend for the NFC Championship game, but maybe they'll be at home against the Giants. Who knows? I've got San Francisco winning it 26-22. I'm not mad at you. I mean, that, it, that feels more like the sensible pick. My problem is I, I, have, I have no confidence that they can stop San Francisco's running game, although I'd love for them to. And, and you know, the other thing is, they really are only giving up 16 points a game. Yeah. And so I think, it's, I think it's hard to score on them. And with that running game and its versatility and Dallas's problems against the run, they can just do so – they just have the potential to do so many more things. Um, and we, I just told you, you know, Dallas's best thing, bro, is to get that offense cooking, cooking early and, and be able to put up some points so that San Francisco feels some pressure – to not run the ball so much. If it gets like that, okay, you cooking, you got a shot. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna have to have a couple of big plays against the San Francisco defense too. I think, and you know, you go back because I just I read you how how good their defense has been and how explosive their offense has been in recent weeks. And you go to that Raiders game, man, in which the Raiders put up 34 points in regulation on them, and they had a 24-yard pass early in the game to Darren Waller. They had a 60-yard pass to Devontae Adams at one point. 
they had a couple of big plays in that game and that was their offense I mean the Raiders offense went out and found a way somehow to score four touchdowns against San Francisco and they kicked a couple of field goals but came up short in overtime and I mean, that's the reality. If Dallas, of course, puts up 34 points, if, if Dallas puts up over 28 points, I think they win this game for sure. But I don't know that either team's going to be able to hit that number. You, you've right. got San Francisco 26-22. I've got Dallas 24-23. It's, it's going to be, man, the sphincter is going to be tight on Sunday night. I'll tell you that. <laughs> It should be interesting, brother. Because I want this one. I want it. I'm ready to experience an NFC championship game again. So maybe they will allow me the opportunity to see that. We shall it'll see. Be f- it'll be fun. It'll be fun, man. It's just, it, it, it's because I know as Cowboys fans, we are all convinced, well, this is what happens. You win a playoff game and you don't get past the divisional round because that's all we've seen. I mean, so I ran into somebody the other day out and about and they were asking me apparently they were a Cowboys fan too here in Birmingham and like well you think we have a chance it's like well yeah we have a chance it's a good team he goes man I hope so he's like and this 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 just goes to show how long ago it was he was like I was born after they last went to the Super Bowl so I've never seen them do anything but lose in the divisional round and I'm like oh my god (laughs) but that's true I mean think about it there there are people in their young 20s that are married and might have a kid that have no idea the Cowboys once upon a time could even play for an NFC title much less a Super Bowl because it's been 27 years well Doug I mean it's you know uh Cowboys is just a weird franchise because they've had opportunities they've had great teams over the stretch not like they've been the Cardinals or they've been the Jets or they've been the Browns where they just basically stink almost every year they've had Yes, I know the Cardinals did go to the Super Bowl. Uh, but that's what I mean. Almost every team has had their moment of glory right. and they reverted back to who they really are. And the Cowboys have been very successful in, in years. They just haven't been consistently successful. And so it's just bizarre. They should have been to the Super Bowl by now. They should have been to the conference championship game by now. But they haven't, and so they got to deal with it, even though you know, it doesn't have anything to do with the players on this team. Yeah, and that's the problem is, I mean, you look at this San Francisco in two of the last three seasons has been to the NFC championship game. And they're trying to go back to the NFC championship game for the third time in four years. Obviously, they were there last year when they lost to the Rams. Let's get some new blood in there. Let, let's... Let's shake it off. As a matter of fact, because Dallas has had such a long drought, they've now been passed by San Francisco as the team that has been to the most conference title games. It's now San Francisco who's trying to get to their 18th NFC title game since 1970. Wow. Which is a lot. Well, you know, it it goes back to the point we've talked about many times. A lot of these teams will have that 13-3, and three, that 12-4 and four season. They go to at least the conference title game, and the Cowboys are like, oh, we're 13-3. and three. Well, we lost our first one at home. Yeah, I mean, it's that's what I'm saying. They've had great teams and haven't gotten it done. And now wouldn't a chance to get it done. Wouldn't it be wild? And watch, they'll probably get wiped off the field, and this will be a silly thing to say when we listen back to it. But it's still true right now as we record this. Only two, no coach ever has won a Super Bowl with two different teams. You got Doug Peterson with Jacksonville and Mike McCarthy with Dallas trying to become the first. Wouldn't it be nuts if Mike McCarthy became the first and only coach to win a Super Bowl with two different teams? Yes, that would be nuts. Right? I mean, that'd be like, no way. Like, of all the co- – I mean, think about it. Like, Don Shula, who who took two teams, and Bill Parcells, who took two teams, you know, some of the great coaches of all time, to think that it might be that guy, I mean, that's – who knows? Who knows? And the fact that Dak is the oldest – he's the only player over 27 in the playoffs. He's 29. 
Mahomes is 27. Everybody else is younger, is 26 or younger that's still alive. So we'll see. Dude, dude. So you're saying there's a chance. I'm saying there's a damn chance. Let's go, Cowboys. Please win this. All right, before we get to our conversation with Clarence Hill Jr., let's tell you about HFX Foundation Solutions, a full-service repair company. They handle all of Dallas-Fort Worth. They can do slab. They do pier and beam foundation repair. They also can handle your drainage and your gutter installations. So if you're seeing some cracks and sticking doors, things of that nature, it's a free, no-obligation inspection. If you have concerns, you need to call Aaron and his crews. Let them come out and at least give you peace of mind. And if there is a problem, you'll discover it very early so that you're not worried about dropping thousands and thousands of dollars down the road. No, the thing about Aaron is, uh, man, we tell you all this all the time. Go over there, get a, ask for a colonoscopy for your crib because it just provides peace of mind, man. That's, I mean, that's really all we're talking about, peace of mind. So pick up the phone, give them a call, 817-770-0174, 817-770-0174. Say, hey, Aaron, I need a colonoscopy for my crib. And what that means is they'll come over there, they'll check it from the rooty to the tootie, they'll make sure everything's good. And if it's not, hey, it's probably there's something that they caught early. We know that if, if you catch something early, it costs a heck of, heck of a lot less than if you catch it late. Uh, you'll get it fixed and you'll be better off for it. It's HFX Foundation Solutions. You can find them online at hfxfoundation.com. All right, it is time to check in with our Cowboys insider, longtime Cowboys beat writer with the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. Clarence Hill Jr. joining us. Chill, Cowboys win. They, I mean, just what a manhandling of Tampa about everything that could go right, did go right. What impressed you the most with what you saw on Monday night against Tampa? You know, obviously it's complete domination. But, you know, we talked last week. I, I said Tom Brady was no boogeyman. I said that this was not a good Tampa Bay team. It was all about the Cowboys and, and the Cowboys not be cowboying, so to speak. And then, you know, the thing that we talked about is one thing they've done uh, dating back to last season under Mike McCarthy, they followed a bad game up with a really good game. And certainly they probably had their best game of the season. Certainly when you consider the, the moment and, and what was at stake, uh, that Prescott's best game of his career against Washington all came together. Uh, and so you like that. This team last year was nervous going to the playoffs. This team this year was, was focused and, 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 and showed, and, and they did not leave anything to chance, even though the kicker tried to let them leave with the chance. Hmm. You know, as we were talking in the locker room today, luckily the, 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 the missed extra points, the four missed extra points didn't matter. You know, it was going to matter this week, but it didn't matter last week because it was such a complete domination, complete football win, and, and it was satisfying for the Cowboys. Now, I don't think we've ever started a conversation talking about the kicker. Okay, what, the, what, yeah. what are we going to do about the kicker? Because he is the topic of conversation, and as I told Michael Gelkin by retweeting him, uh, when he was like, oh, he was great today in practice, I said, who cares? Completely, totally irrelevant because practice pressure ain't playoff game pressure. And until he trots out there and attempts his first kick uh, at Levi's Stadium, nobody knows how he's going to perform. What do you think? No, you know, it's a question. It's a question that you don't want to have to have. Of all the questions concerning this team going to the playoffs, the kicker was not at the top of that list. And, and now the, the kicker. It, it wasn't on the list at all. And now that, that that's part of the question going into this game. So, yeah, he kicked well in practice today, and the, and the guy they brought in was awful. You know, and we, we should do that. There's no way you bring in that's going to come in and win the job, and you could have trust in. And 
you, you have to, you know, try to rely on hope against hope that he can get together. Like, you know, the thing about it is, is that, that frightens me for the Cowboys is that Myers fallen off a cliff before. He was great in 2018. He fell off a cliff in 2019, probably kept him too long. They trust him too long because of his history. We'd probably help get Jason Garrett fired that year. But but he's fallen off a cliff before. He's been great and fallen off a cliff. And he was great this year. And I don't know if he's fallen off a cliff uh, again because he kicked well in practice, you know, 2019 and just didn't do it again. So, yeah, it doesn't matter. You know, the Cowboys show faith. They trust him. They know what he's done. They support him. Like Zeke said, we got faith in him. You know, but we didn't need him last week. But this week we will. So get that shit together. That's true. Get that shit together. They got to. I mean, because, you know, points are at a premium. And this is, you know, this game, every point will matter. And so, you know, the Cowboys are hoping against hope and hoping he can get it together. And, you know, with the outdoors, windy conditions, there were no wind in Tampa Bay. Uh, you know, they need their kicker. They not, you know, you can't be calling plays on third down, wondering if I, if I, if I can get a field goal here, I got to go for it and all this other stuff. So you, you got to be able to trust your kicker. A couple of the things that we saw that came out of Monday night's game, Jason Peters looked like he had a hip injury or whatever from what I read from that. How big of a deal would that be for the offensive line? Because it looks like I don't think he practiced today, and, and it doesn't sound like they're anticipating he'll be able to play in the game on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, they're going to go back with the line. They, you know, that left side, which they've had much of the year, which, which they finished the Tampa Bay game with, uh, with Connor McGovern and, and, and Tyler Smith. And you know, Tyler Bowd is back at center and, 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 and go with that. Uh, you know, they, they were looking forward to having their best five on the field and certainly looking forward to having um, Peters out there at left tackle and Tyler Smith at left guard and, and, and using McGovern, you know, with the running game, you know, that big jumbo package they haven't really been able to use all year because McGovern was having to start at guard. But, you know, this is a resilient offensive line. You know, Tyler Smith has been so impressive all season long as a rookie, 21 years old, talking to Dak. I didn't even realize, he said, I didn't realize he was just 20. You know, uh, for him to be able to go from guard to tackle, tackle to guard within games, within weeks, and just go out there and without much of a hiccup. He, he was physical against Tampa Bay, and he's going to have to be physical in – a mauler uh, against the 49ers. But, yeah, they, you know, Jason Peters, you know, didn't practice today. He was doing some rehab work. But, you know, the problem right now is you can't count on him finishing a full game. You know, at his age, and I don't know why they thought, thought they ever could. You know, that's been a question. They didn't want to start him, but can he play, you know, 60, 70 snaps? So that leads to the question, what do you think is the key in this game outside of Brett Maher making makeable kicks? Stopping the run, tackling well on defense. You have to get Debo on the ground, prevent the big play. You know, you got to stop McCaffrey and, and make the rookie quarterback beat you. Make the rookie quarterback, put him in some long situations. I mean, he's done great, but he's been in favorable situations since, you know, since he's been out there. You know, and a dirty little secret, you know, to, to support an success is that who have they played? Who have they beaten? They've beaten up on the Rams. they beat up on the Cardinals. They beat on a lot of bad teams. The, the good teams they have faced, they got beat by Kansas City. You know, they weren't even close. You know, they, they're the team that lost to the Atlanta Falcons this year. You know, their defense is number one. But, you know, and as, 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 as Micah said, and he was very apropos, and everybody keeps talking about how y'all going to handle the 49 Well, how the fuck now going to handle us? They haven't faced a team like us. They haven't faced a team as good as us from a Cowboys point of view when they're at their best. Now, do you believe that? Oh, I believe some of that is true for sure. I mean, you know, it's, it, it, you know, the, the Raiders, you know, they, they made plays on that defense. You know, their teams have made plays on that defense. Certainly we, we know that what they have in that running game, and we, we've seen Debo and all that stuff, but 
they have not placed a good team as well as the Cowboys have played when they've been at their best. That's a fact. You know, are the Cowboys going to be at their best? The one thing I was talking to Dak Prescott about, you know, it's funny, Dak Prescott is the oldest quarterback in the playoffs. The oldest quarterback in the playoffs. <laughs> just yeah, true. That. At 29, yeah, he is. He's the oldest quarterback. There's no Tom Brady. There's no Aaron Rodgers. It's just Dak Prescott. Now, certainly um, Burrow and, 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 and Mahomes have had more playoff success. You can you know, say the same thing about Allen. But, you know, he's the oldest quarterback in the playoffs. If you look on the NFC side, he's definitely the most experienced playoff quarterback, most experienced quarterback, period. He had the highest ceiling of any quarterback on the NFC side. You know, when, you know, when, when, when Stephen Jones were talking about Dak Prescott can be a difference maker and lift us, you know, to the Super Bowl, here it is. You are the most experienced. Do, do be Aaron Rodgers to Purdy. Do Aaron, do, do Purdy what Aaron Rodgers did to you as a rookie. You know, you're the veteran. You're the one who can make it happen. You should be the difference maker for your team. Purdy's not asked to be a difference maker. You're the one who's asked to be a difference maker for your team. Oh, I see you've been reading my work again. Okay, I appreciate that. No, if not, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> something, about that, something about that paywall. If you're big. <laughs> oh, I know, I know a crafty veteran like you can get around the paywall. I, I, ain't worried I, about got, that. My, I got my own mind about this team. <laughs> <laughs> nah, because, uh, you know, I wrote that this week that, uh, hey, uh, he's the most disrespected good quarterback in the league and that uh, – while he doesn't match up against uh, Purdy per se, the way he plays can put pressure on Purdy to perform. If they play well offensively, Purdy can feel like, I got to make this happen because if I don't, we're going to fall behind. And when he's outplayed quarterbacks this year, I think he's 6-0 and when he's had a better passer rating. So I think all of that matters, and I think uh, he's in as good a mindset as he's going to be to get that done this week against San Francisco. Yeah, you know, you know the thing about it is, you know, and, and I know you can't say outside interceptions, but outside interceptions, outside of that Washington game, Dak has played really well. And all of the interceptions have their own story. But if you watch the game and watch the way he played, outside of the interceptions, and again, you and certainly if you take the ones away that, that bounce off receivers' hands or people running the wrong route, Dak has played really well this year and, 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 and since he's been back. And that offense, the efficiency, the third down conversion, it's all been there, you know, what got them in trouble late in the season was also that, you know, they weren't running the ball well. You know, but when Dak is at his best, not that it was ever so disrespectful, you know, going into the playoffs when when uh, Dan Orlovsky ranked Dak as the worst quarterback going into the playoffs. Behind Purdy and behind, you know, Geno Smith. Love Geno Smith's story. Love what he's done this year. There's nobody going to tell me that he's, he's, better, he's a better quarterback than Dak Prescott. That, that's just ridiculous. And, 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 and you, know, the, the, you know, people lose their minds over – turnovers which sometimes aren't always their fault but um you know i think well let me ask you this what uh how much do you want to see zeke as opposed to pollard this week we're not going to do this yeah we are yeah we are no we are yeah we are and here's why because some games and i don't know how the game gonna play out obviously some games like last week's scene like the way it was gone, it was built more for Pollard because of the way they were playing, and you needed somebody who could get to the edge and make something happen. And Zeke can't do that anymore. So that's all I'm saying. I mean, they've been splitting it all year. I just said, how much do you want to see Pollard because he pre- he creates something that my boy, my Buckeye brother, doesn't do right now. Well, I mean, I think that's going to be the case going forward. I mean, that's the case period. It's been the case all season. 
it's pretty late in the season. I mean, Zeke has has trended down as the season has gone on. You, his yards per carry has trended down significantly. You know, Pollard is, is the guy you want to see and the guy you're going to see for sure. But but they're going to share the ball. But, you know, we were talking about McCarthy and talk. You know, talking to Zeke. It, it's it's about the yards per attempt, but it's also about the attempt. You want to be able to run the ball. You need to be able to run the ball. Even when you're not running successfully, running the ball allows you to still use your flex game. It makes them use another guy in the box. It still opens things up for the passing game. But, you know, Pollard is, you know, he's the guy that's going to be a difference maker for the Cowboys, you know, as running back. You know, he's one of the, you know, you look at the playmakers on his team on offense, it's, it's, it's Pollard it's, 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 and it's C.D. Lamb. And, and certainly you my product is that you get things open up for the tight end because people worried about a CD and, and certainly for, for uh, T.Y. Hilton as well. But there's no question that part of the game plan is to try to maximize opportunities to get the ball in the hands of your best playmakers, and that's Pollard and that's C.D. Lamb. This game to me feels like these teams are a lot closer than – I mean, we, we heard this all national media-wise going into the Tampa game. Oh, Tampa's going to win. I think it was like five out of the seven people on Monday night on ESPN – pick Tampa everybody's picking San Francisco they're the better team this and that but how similar do you see these teams in terms of talent and what they're capable of putting on the field across the board on offense and defense from a talent perspective yeah you know it's crazy and you can say what you want about the San Francisco defense and certainly about you know what they got in Christopher Carefree and and, and again it's always about the perception of the Cowboys there are people on ESPN or somewhere today uh, some show they gave the 49ers the edge of quarterback. <laughs> but, <laughs> I mean, okay. I, I mean, it's ridiculous. They gave him the edge of quarterback. And, and that's I mean, just, you know, he's calm and accurate. They did doing? all these things. That, you know, it, 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 it's ridiculous. So, I mean, it, they're similar because they're both two of the best teams in the NFC that have been in two of the best teams in the NFC all season. You know, we, we lose our minds. It was crazy to me. We lose our minds when the Cowboys lose to Green Bay. But no one lost their mind when when they lost Atlanta. Well, I you think know, they that's because I think that's because you don't count anything that happened before Christian McCaffrey showed up because they became a different team once he showed up. <laughs> okay. You don't and, think they're different teams? I mean, well, there was three yeah, and four before he showed up, and they're eleven no left. But tell me who they beaten since? Tell me the team, the litany of teams they okay. beaten. Now, now when, on this on this now, when now, when the Cowboys were winning, we were like, why are we talking about who they beating? You can only play who's in front of your schedule and they've been no, kicking I, everybody I agree, ass. But the, but the notion that they're at the, another level is my point. Well, that they're so yeah. much above the Cowboys is, is well, the question. Ain't nobody and, else and, won and, 11 and in a row. Have they? No, no, no. Same people picking Tampa Bay with the same mentality. The Tampa Bay's won two of the last three and they're getting on okay. the road. So they, now, they bombed. I mean, I'm just saying that 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 – Yes, no one else won 11 in a row, but I don't see them. You know, obviously the Eagles have been the better team all season. If, if you want to go with that and just go by records and who they played, uh, I, I still don't see them as being unbeatable. You know, they, 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 they're, they're, they're not the 85 they Bears. Yeah, they, they, they're at a level they can. They still have a, an unproven factor quarterback. And so, you know, uh, you know, there's some things that the Cowboys can afford. I mean, you know, and, and, and you know, we lose our minds over last year's game, and it, it, that that was a one-score game for a reason. They, those teams were toe to toe, and right there with each other. And I think that, and the Cowboys will tell you, and we will tell you that m- much of what the decision or decisive factor in that game last year was the Cowboys' own mistake. You know, Cowboys being nervous, Cowboys 
you know, with all those penalties, you know, more so than San Francisco just being the heads and shoulders of a better team. So, you know, this team is more comfortable. They, they feel better about themselves. We'll see. Let's go play football. It's just another uh, addition of what has been one of the greatest playoff rivals, greatest rivals in, in football. Yeah, and, and I, I think like going back to my my idea that these teams, I, I don't know that one team is drastically better than the other. And, and I mean, we've talked about this before, where if that's the case, that's what leads me. The Cowboys have the better quarterback. I, I don't even know how that's a debate. Dallas has a better quarterback than San Francisco. If, if Dak plays the way he, that we know he can play and, and we kind of see these teams as equal elsewhere across the board, I mean, you kind of go to me, you don't, you give the edge to the team that you believe has the better quarterback. Yeah. You know, it's whether they're equal across the board. Do you believe San Francisco had a better running game? Do you believe they have a better defense? You know, do they have more playmakers? And, and all those things, the fact that those things that, 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 that help Purdy, you know, play well, because, you know, the pressure's on him. It's just, you know, this, the coaching staff, the way he schemes, the, you know, the running game and, and all those other things, you know, those are the things that, you know, you would say would, would separate them. But, you know, when the Cowboys are at their best and, and, and we, we dog Kellen more all season, but he was in his bag on Monday night. He, he was definitely in his bag on Monday night. And, you know, clearly they held some things back that, they, you know, that they didn't show early in the season. They showed, you know, in that 49ers game, I mean, in, in that Tampa Bay game and, and I, and you know, let Dak check with the teller. They got a few things left up their sleeve. So who you got, dog? Do what? Who you got? Ooh, now you asked me to pick. After all oh, of that. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, you, I, know? you know. Yeah, this is a put up a shut up right. show, man. It's it put up a shut up. Well, I mean, <sighs> my head tells me San Francisco for sure. Just because of, of everything that we know and we've seen, and you know, but you know, uh, since I know Matt is a diehard Cowboys fan, <laughs> you know, Matt, you know, there's a trend that's been going around with the Cowboys this year. You know that, right? When they lose a the game, they win four. The next time they lost, they won two. <laughs> four. Next time they lost, they won two. Well, the last loss was against Washington. If they win four, they continue that trend, they're winning the Super Bowl. Damn. So what are we saying? I'm just I'm just going, I'm just giving Matt a trend. I'm giving I'm giving him a trend that he can hold on to. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> okay. I'll take it, man. I'll take I mean I, I had I had percent belief they were beating Tampa. I do not have hundred percent belief going into this weekend. No, but you're not supposed to. I mean, it's, it's a freaking playoff. I yeah. mean, it's, I mean, it's, in '92, the only person that believed they was going to be in San Francisco was Jimmy Johnson and the people in that locker room. No one believed. No reporters were going out there saying they were going to be San Francisco in '92. Go play the game. Well, let me ask you this before I predict the score, since you ignored that and put it on Matt. Um, what's the What's the thing you think that like, I would say Dallas's biggest problem would be stopping San Francisco's run game. What is San Francisco's biggest problem? I think it's going to be stopping Dallas's pass game. Okay. I mean, they, if they can block them, I mean, you know, if, if Dak is going to be playoff Dak and use his legs, I mean, I think the, their plays will be made in that passing game. I mean, I don't, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know that the San Francisco has any lockdown cornerback. No, you know, their, their, their thing is their their thing is getting to the quarterback with their pass rush, but I don't 
There are plays to be made in that secondary. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's the the question is can Tyler Smith hold up against Nick Bosa? Yeah, can Tyler Smith hold up against Nick Bosa? But you know, listen, Tyler Smith nasty, and he's gonna give it a try. And 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 again, they, they got Dak gonna get rid of the ball and use his feet. But you know, they have to, you know, do the same thing. They they have to stop the Cowboys passing game. Yeah. All right, so who so who you got now? Now we got all that out the way. Who you got? Oh. Fine, I'm gonna just go on and roll the dice just so you want me. I got the Cowboys 24-23. Oh my God, I love it. That means you a think field that goal. Is gonna make a field goal? <laughs> yes, he's gonna make a field goal. Okay, all right, we'll ride with that. We'll talk to you later. All right, guys. <laughs> all right, Joe. See you. I'm man. just playing, man. If you got more to talk about, you know, I'm good. I got to work. I gotta all right, work. go work. Yeah, see you. Third week. Third week. All right, Joe. Later. <laughs> All right, there he goes. Clarence Hill Jr., the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, picks the Cowboys. And I'm here for Shocking. it. I am here for it. And that, my friends, will wrap up this version of the Jam Session podcast. The next time we talk to you, God, I cannot allow myself to get this excited. I don't, I, Jackie, I don't know what I'm going to do if they win on Sunday. And we, we get together after the game to record our podcast on Sunday talking about the Cowboys going to the NFC Championship game. I will be beside myself. Well, I mean, you know, hopefully you'll be beside yourself. I hope so. I mean, that's, I mean, granted, none of us have seen this since the 95 season. It was January of 96. I was a junior in high school the last time the Cowboys went to the NFC Championship game. And if it happens again now, I don't, I, I just, I will be... I mean, it'll be a party. I'm, who knows? Maybe we'll be taking shots on the podcast on Sunday night. <laughs> and I will say, because like if they had lost to Tampa, I would have been just I, the opposite beside myself, irritated. Yeah, I want them to win. I really do. But if they lose to San Francisco, I don't know that I'm going to be pissed off on Sunday. Dog, I'll, I'll just know, be very I, disappointed. I say this all the time, bro. Uh, and I, I just I don't say it to you. I say it to everybody, which is, you know, when when we start going down the road that you just went through, like, I don't know if I'm going to be disappointed. I mean, we're all searching for an answer to the conclusion of the book before it gets published out there, because if they lose 24, 23, you'll be disappointed because you'll be like, oh, my God, we're one point away from getting to the NFC championship game. You know, and now later you may reflect on what a great game it was. And how did they lose 24-23? Did they lose because Brett Maher missed a 28-yard field goal? Or did they lose 24-23 because Purdy completed a pass to uh, Debo Samuel, you know, with two seconds left? And we're talking about the catch version two, you know. Or did they get blown out 38-7 to and we're like, where the hell did that come from after the week we just saw last yeah. week? Yeah, You know, and the same thing with the Cowboys win. Well, no, if the Cowboys win, it'll just be elation. Won't care how he got done. I don't even care. I, I literally don't. You know, so, <laughs> but this is, this is, this is what the, um, you know, man, this is the beauty of sports. It's what it's all about. It's why we watch the games. It's why people play the games. And it's the, uh, it's the angst and the anxiety and the tension and the drama and all of that you feel, especially if you got an emotional investment in your team. So we'll be back Sunday. You guys will hear us Monday. Cowboys 49ers. We'll see how it plays out. We'll see you on the other side. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, 
You can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.